I'm gonna yawn. Cut. <sighs> Get all the yawns out. All right, let's crack on into it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone beyond the binary, welcome to the Cheeky Podcast. Ooh, ooh. Today's episode, we are doing a highlighted histories on a very famous mime prompted on our last week's episode, What is Mime? Uh, we hinted that we might do a episode on a gentleman called Marcel Marceau, and uh, here we are. We have done some study. <laughs> we are doing an episode on Marcel Masso. For everyone who is just tuning in today, uh, welcome. We hope you are going to enjoy this episode. I'm Tom and this is Ian. Hello. And we are two clowns who studied at NICA, which is a circus school in Melbourne. And we kind of made this podcast to laugh, learn, and share our love of clowning with all of you lovely people. Mm. Do you have any opening statements before we begin? He, Marcel Mousseau, is kind of one of those people that's like, and I'll get into this later, but he's like so famous, you know? Yeah, like Ludwig <laughs> Ludwig had mentioned him. Ludwig, for those that are listening, uh, Ludwig was our clown teacher at Nyka. Uh, and Ludwig had mentioned him in the past, like Marcel Marceau, but I didn't, again, like other things that he's said, I'd never understood this, the significance of it. And now I'm like, ah, okay, whenever he talked about Marcel Marceau, mm. Marcel Marceau was a big figure. But now also I can distinguish mm. who he actually was and what he did uh, in relation to the other clowns, because what Marcel did was a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if- for those that are interested, there is a film adaptation that tells, um, obviously, a theatrical uh, true story of Marcel Marceau called Resistance, uh, and it star- it's a 2020 film um, done performed by Jesse Eisenberg as Marcel, and it's during his time in the French Revolution during the Second World War, uh, which we will talk about later on, but there's a movie about it, um, if you're interested in watching it. Um... Apparently, the movie isn't very accurate, but uh, that's not to say that it's not good. Classic. Same as the Chocolat and Fatigue <laughs> movie. These, yeah, exactly. It's just Hollywood. It's Hollywood fact. Yeah. Bastards. Gah. Well, now I'm, now I'm 30% less excited to watch it, but anyway. <laughs> so the way that we've Tom and I have done this, uh, I will do... Um, Marcel's sort of earlier life and time with the war, and then Tom will later on do uh, his career. Uh, his, as an opener, his original name was Marcel Mangle, which during World War II, around the age of, as a teenager, 16 or 17, he and his brother changed their name or their last name to Marceau to not be recognized as Jewish. So his real name was Marcel Mangle. And he was born on the 22nd of March, 1923, in France. And his father was a butcher. During World War II, uh, Marcel's family had to basically move. Uh, they had to pretty much leave um, 
the town they grew up in to escape the Nazis. And um, during, as a teenager, the same time when he changed his last name, he and his brother joined the French resistance, uh, the French Jewish resistance, which was nicknamed the OJC, which is the organization, I'm going to butcher how to pronounce this, <laughs> the organization Juive de Combat. And what they did was, uh, part of the missions they did was to rescue Jewish children and uh, help them get into Switzerland. So, because um, growing up, Marcel was, uh, I think he was trilingual. Uh, he could learn, he learned to speak English, French, and German. He became mm. a, a consultant with one of the, um, the resistance generals, and he was able to communicate properly with them. And so, what one of the tricks that he used to help get the Jewish children across the border into Switzerland is during the war, he would teach the children uh, German nursery rhymes. So, as they were walking along, any German shoulders they met thought they were German children. Oh. Another sneaky maneuver I read they did was uh, put in is either fake passports or their real passports into mayonnaise sandwiches because the sandwiches weren't checked by the German soldiers because they didn't want to get their hands messy. Right. And um, another thing it's created to say is that Marcel used his mime as another way to communicate or, like, to guide the children during, like, particularly stressful times. Wow. So I'm not sure exactly – there's not – too much great detail I could find of any particular missions that happened, but there are a few of the examples of the things that he did while in the the French Resistance. That's pretty amazing. Another thing that uh, Marcel himself s- said was that as a child at the age of five, his mother took him to see a Charlie Chaplin film, and that was a real catalyst for him wanting to become a mime performer, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, one thing I couldn't find much on was how Marcel practiced his mime or performance or like what he did, uh, in particular Mm. during his like earlier, uh, early, early career before he joined any, um, dramatic school. Mm -hmm. But one of Marcel's first major performances was to 3,000 troops after Paris was liberated in 1944. Right. Wow. So um, I think that must have been a mime performance or some kind of performance. I don't know exactly what it it was, but uh, multiple sources say that that was his first major uh, presentation um, after, yeah, Paris was liberated. That's really cool. I did not know that. It's really fascinating. That's why uh, I'm curious to see in the movie how they interpret how he uses um, his skills. Yeah, true. As well as... If they have him, yeah. As well as like how much skill he already has during that time or whether he's like a professional and then he joins the resistance or Mm. he's like just has a few simple things before he goes to the university. So that's all... Um, that's all unknown uh, for the movie anyway. <laughs> mm, that's really cool. So they just slapped passports in just 
just mayonnaise sandwich? Was it just mayonnaise? I mean, this is a weird question. Was there anything else other than mayonnaise in the sandwiches? I don't know, but it was it was particularly <laughs> mentioned mayonnaise sandwiches because they were right. less messy. Oh, they were more messy. Sorry. So the Germans all didn't want to get right. mayonnaise on their hands. Like, oh, I'm gonna check sandwiches. Like, oh, it's mayo. And sl- I wonder if they like. I wonder if they, um, like covered a little like made it so that it was like dripping out the side so that they didn't even want to pick it up possibly like put so much mayo in there they're like yeah. oh god there's like you guys love your mayo you weirdos <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you freaks <laughs> um one unfortunate thing that happened to marcel and i think a real catalyst for him joining the resistance is that marcel's father was taken to auschwitz um which is super unfortunate where he where he died Mm. so yeah he was um, obviously his family were very passionate about trying to get back at uh, the Nazis so at the end of the second world war because we are doing just a highlight history he's not going into too much depth uh, he became a student at the Charles Dullins School of Dramatic Arts uh, where some of his teachers included Charles Darwin himself and a somewhat familiar name that you'll recognize, Tom, uh, Etienne de Creux was one of his teachers. Uh-huh. The world famous. The world famous. I'd never heard of him before. Last <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> week. Not at all. Uh, now, pre- it's cool, though. Right? I was like, oh, okay, that's a name I, rec- I recognize. Yeah. <laughs> In last week's episode... Uh, where we were kind of exploring what is mime, we found that Etienne de Creux is a kind of the person who founded corporeal mime, which is like mime to do with the body. And he like founded some school, uh, like I think one school, and um, obviously taught mime for a long time as well. So it's really fascinating that um, uh, Marceau was taught by him, like one of these super well-known in the mime world people. It's like a mime hive. It's like all these important figures just happen to like... The hive mime. (laughs) Tom's making faces. I hate it. (laughs) What, what I don't, what I would love to know is that, and I think it is, it is said that Marcel used mime was if mime was his, Marcel's passion throughout the whole time and he like honed it at the school or if the school was the place because were they all like they were all developing mime as the art form at that place is that correct yeah that's sort of how i, I think so it. i'm pretty sure it is because charles dullen was another um mime performer and t- teacher and like that that was his school that he went to right so mine was like all the rage at this like one random place, which just happened to be <laughs> well, like the catalyst of. Well, that random place happened to be France. But... True, true. <laughs> Not so random anymore now that you say that. <laughs> so did you yeah. have that uh, one of his, one of Marcel's classmates was responsible for employing him uh, in a show? No. Uh, it was played to, employed to play a character 
called Arlequin in a pantomime Baptiste, uh, which was one of his first works that um, I think really took off. Or it was being seen in that he created his own show called, uh, I'm going to also not pronounce this correctly, <laughs> uh, Praxiteli and the Golden Fish, which was uh-huh. like, a, I think it was a solo performance. And that was highly accredited, which was one of a, a catalyst for his career to take off. Yeah, I think that was that that performance was the first time he used and found his character Bip, ah. which um, which was his kind of main, his most famous character that he did, because um, he used it in a lot of different uh, places. I think that was his, think he, that was like his stock um, character yeah. that he used for most of his career. I yeah. Think. That was he, kind of what I thought. He created that character like one year after going to that school. Could you imagine right? just hitting the jackpot straight away? Yeah. Do you like, oh, I got just this character. Like, oh, this, this is, is it. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to like start creating um, cartoons. Oh yeah. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm going to make one called the Simpsons. <laughs> that's, that's how I like the first kind of thing just like takes up. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's very, very impressive. He seemed to be quite a, a clever man. Yeah, right? Bip the Clown has the kind of what you'd imagine like stereotypical uh, mime costume. And this was another discussion point yes. that I had was, is Marcel Marceau the OG, the <laughs> OG original gangster? Um, the OG, yeah. The OG, like, mime character, and then every other, uh, like, caricature is of, you know, he is the original I, stock. I would almost suggest yes, because he he had, like, the hat with the, the flower on it, yep. with the white makeup and the white stripes. And I think, I reckon that's where that kind of classic thing comes from. It comes from him. So, I would agree with that. So, listeners, when you're watching a Pixar movie and there's a French mime <laughs> in the street, possibly Ratatouille, that's DreamWorks, I think, that quite possibly could be based off Marcel Marceau. That blows my mind a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty cool, hey? Imagine being so famous that whenever people think of mime, they basically base everything <laughs> off you. <laughs> Well, yeah, fully. But I mean, like, that's basically what Grimaldi did. True. The first clown. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's pretty that's insane. insane that's, hey? that's, that's actually so insane. <laughs> but this was, like, this was like a hundred years later to Grimaldi as well. Hey. I th- yeah. I believe so. Because I remember. Well, no, it was, it was, it's almost 200 years later. It's 150 something. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Because he he was right at the cusp of the like the 1800s. Like 1800 was the year that kind of he kind of did it. It's interesting. The he he apparently performed like these stock mime acts initially, and I don't know if this was on purpose or not. But like people have said that it was so that Pete, like the audiences can get used to this weird way of moving and 
like doing objects without actually having them there. And so there were stock things like um, walking against the wind, which is like the, that's where the moonwalk kind of comes from. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. And um, he had like the other stock acts, just names kind of explain like the painter and um, or oh, the mask. He, he performed this act where he would gr- like, be like in quite a neutral face and then he would select a mask and he would put it on and he would have that mask and then he would take it off and put it away oh, cool. um I think- i'll i'll put a link in the description but there's a video of like a bunch of him a uh, him doing a bunch of different like short sections of different acts which is really cool i really um, love that that's like would that almost be like a pre-show kind of like entertain like like as a warm-up i really love that idea of like oh here's like five things that kind of get you used to the world that we're Mm. in and then after we do these then i'm going to start well my narrative i think the way that the way that he did his first few like actual full shows was a bit of a like almost cabaret-esque like he would on the on the sheet that you get like that says what happens in the show the program program thank you on the program, it would say it would have all his whole repertoire of acts, and he would be like, "Some of the he's just going to choose whatever acts out of that Whoa. for the show." <laughs> Something is, different every night. Yeah, fully. It's crazy. It's wild. Imagine having a sketch show, and you give everyone in the audience a list of these sketches, and he just randomly gets selected which <laughs> ones you see every night. I don't know if that would go down anymore. Hey. If you're on a fringe show, it's like you see it in mine. I suppose I shows like shit, shit-faced Shakespeare, you see something new every night. And that's yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's, it would That's sell. hilarious, actually. I don't think it would be. Yeah. Shout out to shit-faced Shakespeare. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so he had those initial... Sorry, I got lost track. But he had those initial mime stock acts and then he created a bunch of stock acts for his character for bip and so th- that kind of character he any like ne- there i don't know the website that i was looking at had names for all of them um Whoa. but it was but it was like in, kind of in the style of like tv show episodes almost it was like bip goes for a walk or whatever or like store kids books yeah um which i thought was quite interesting quite cool uh, for the audience listening, when we say stock acts, uh, we kind of mean um, set routines that are ready to just I imagine like stock just picked up off the shelf and yeah. imag- immediately performed. Uh, another way we use this term is for uh, the theater style um, Commedia dell'arte, which is a theater style that uses stock characters uh, to tell a storyline. For example, there's always Homer Simpson. There's always Marge Simpson. There's always Bart Simpson. <laughs> and the characters interact with each other using those characters. Uh, Harlo- um, Committee Delate does the same thing. Hmm. Random side note. Yeah, no, that's good. Good clarification. And then he he's also done heaps of Mimo Dreams, which are just like full-length mime drama shows, <gasps> which is pretty that's- awesome. That's so cool. I gotta do more searching and see what I can find in the video formats to like 
to see if we can find one. I would love to see a, like a, a full show of his. That oh, would be we amazing. Could a, um, we could do a, a react episode yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, just to kind of highlight how, like, how prolific he was in kind of what he did. Um, so he toured worldwide, just, just about every continent. Um, and with like multiple shows he toured, um, he was in 10 films. He opened two schools. He wrote six books and in New York, there's a day, I think it's, oh, I should have written it down. There's a day called Marcel Marceau day. Oh, which is, is it a public is it a public holiday? Uh, I don't know. It could be. <laughs> I don't think it's a public holiday. <laughs> Everyone gets a day off for Marceau Day. Oh, probably not. But in New York, what? Yeah. yeah, it's and he set up he set up a foundation to help um, mime get more widespread in the U.S. Whoa! Unfortunately, um, so the first school that he opened closed within like two years or something. And then the second school he opened closed in 2005. So, um, oh wow, that's um the year he yeah. stopped performing, I think, right? Yeah, it's like two years before he died. Whoa, only two years his first school—that's crazy. Do, I wonder if it like either didn't have much success or he was always away performing. I think that's would be pretty crazy, interesting. Yeah, he's considered like he's he is considered to be literally the like one of the best mimes in the world. Or was the best mime in the world, which is pretty amazing. And he's like considered to have like single-handedly in quotes, um, single-handedly like revived mime as a form of art. It's pretty incredible. That's amazing. That's super stunning. It was very fascinating because he. Well, he, so, I mean, it's, this is kind of a side note. He married three times and has four kids, had four kids. Um, but they're like, because he was so successful, it isn't like that much to talk about in that regard. Like he was just really good at what he did and there weren't really any scandals or anything. Right, he was no, he was no Charlie Chaplin. Charlie, well, yeah, there might, there might have been scandals considering he did have three wives. Three wives, yeah, but true. There wasn't as many scandals as Charlie Chaplin, who like no had to run to Mexico to marry a minor. Uh, alrighty. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this episode. Um. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any questions, queries, or just want to say something, feel free to email us at cheekyproductions at gmail.com or find our website uh, or our Facebook. Comment on one of our posts. We would really appreciate it. Yeah, we would love that. If you have something that you want us to talk about, please send send us a message, send us a comment. We want to hear your ideas. It might be time for a joke, I huh? Jim, very well might be. Do you have one? I got a, it's a question and answer joke. Can a kangaroo jump higher than the Empire State Building? Of course. 
Because the Empire State Building can't jump. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Go think outside the box for that one. That was good. I like that one. (laughs) That was uh, shout out to (laughs) laughfactory.com forward slash jerks. Alrighty, we will see you in the next episode. Thank you much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If uh, you want to give us five stars on whatever platform, we would absolutely love that. And uh, see you later. Bye. Bye.